Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Professional Sports Talk podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jack Murphy. And as you guys know from last week's episode, since it is a Tuesday, this is going to be my week seven recap episode. I'm going to be talking about everything that happened last week and everything you guys are going to want to know. I'm also going to be talking about fantasy football because I really have gotten away from that in recent episodes and I am aware of that. I'm going to be talking about sell high and I'm going to be talking about buy low candidates to help you guys win those fantasy matchups. Again, I know I have gotten away from that in recent episodes and I'm definitely planning on bringing it back on a much larger scale. So hopefully this is a great place to start. Um, I'm also going to be talking about just a lot of great topics from last week, starting with my favorite matchups from last week and how they played out. It's going to include things like the Panthers looking really shitty, the Bengals maybe being the NFC North favorite, uh, Port Tua Tungavailoa, and also about the Colts and how they still might have life ahead of them. Of course, as mentioned earlier, I will then finish with my buy low slash sell high candidates for fantasy football. And I hope you guys really do enjoy this episode. If you do, please reach out to me and let me know. If you guys like this format of one episode on Tuesday and another episode on Thursday, previewing the next week, let me know about that as well. With all that being said, and with no further ado, we're going to jump straight into my last week and how I did on my best bets, how some of my favorite matchups played out, and just stuff I want to talk about in general. So first, we can start with my best bets. Uh, I was very successful last week. If you guys were betting along with me, you felt that. I was 4-0 in my best bets, and I know some of you guys might be thinking, well, you only had three best bets on the pod. How could you have gone 4-0? That is impossible. Well, that's why you got to follow my Instagram, at Professional Sports Talk. Simple as that, no capitals, no letter, or excuse me, no numbers, just professional sports talk because they got a bonus best bet, which hit, and that was the Packers to cover their spread against Washington. So that makes me 11 and 4 since week 4. Again, that was the last file I could find, the rest before that. Just not, not really sure what happened there, but that's okay. 11 and 4 since week 4, so I'm feeling very confident about that. I hope you guys are feeling more confidence in me and my bets as well. And I hope that you guys took some of those bets last week. Because if you did, well, you're feeling good on this Monday too. Or on this Tuesday too. Excuse me. Now, without any further ado, we're going to jump into some of the games. Some of my recaps. Some of my takeaways from the game. And very first, we got to start out with someone I was talking about very extensively on the last pod. And that is the king himself, Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry and his Titans, if you guys aren't aware, absolutely mauled the Chiefs and their squad on Sunday. It was not a close game at all. It never really was a close game. The Chiefs just really couldn't get much going on offense. But we'll get to that. Going and starting with the king himself, Derrick Henry. He didn't have that 100-yard rushing game or a couple rushing touchdowns like I was hoping he would. And I was really, but in the same token, it didn't really matter. He still definitely established himself as a serious MVP candidate, which I was really hoping he would this past weekend. If you guys know, I was talking about him a ton and how he wasn't getting enough attention from the media. And sure enough, I'm hearing a lot more people talk about him after this game because, again, as I mentioned, although he did not have that 100-yard 
100-yard scrimmage game, or excuse me, a 100-yard rushing game or a rushing touchdown. He had impacts in ways much farther than that. He had 109 total yards in this game, and he also had an amazing passing touchdown, which we've seen him pull out of the hat before. Uh, it's very obvious that teams have to respect, you know, the sixth three or six four however tall he is behemoth that he is especially on the goal line and so that brings a lot more defenders in the box and opens up passing lanes as we know but it's particularly special when he's the one throwing the ball i just think it shows you how much confidence this coaching staff has in him it also shows his unique skill set and it's definitely a great moment to remember as uh we always have those highlight plays from the mvp candidates that they want to look back on and at the end of the year and i think this is certainly going to be one of those especially you know coming off he beat the bills with three touchdowns and over 100 yards and now the chiefs with over 100 yards it's just a great way to start off this campaign if you will it's a great way to establish yourself as the elite of the elite and really get yourself in that mvp race as we know um on the same token, it was a very weird turn of events for the Titans. They went from losing to the Jets, who look like one of the absolute worst teams in the league, if not the worst team in the league, to a win over the AFC favorites, Bills, and of course spanking the Chiefs this last weekend. So again, I you could argue, what do you really make of this team? And honestly, right now, that doesn't really matter because the past is the past. We know who they've lost to, obviously being the Jets, but more importantly, we know who they've beaten, and that is the cream of the crop of the AFC. And I think Derek seriously needs to get more MVP talk coming his way. As far as the Chiefs side of the ball, we can talk about plenty in this game. We can talk about plenty of the trends we've seen throughout the season. Of course, panic is definitely starting to settle in, and I think it should. Uh, of course, they just need a wild card spot to punch their place in the playoffs. But as we know, the AFC is just deep as hell. I mean, there are teams like, even in their own division, as I've mentioned, uh, the Raiders, the Chargers are a lot better than people think. They're Bengals, um, which I'll get to later in this pod. Actually, it's the very next topic, but they look elite. Um, there's just a whole bunch of competition in the AFC, and it's seriously, it's now or never for the Chiefs. you got to be worried. Uh, having four losses this early in the year just leaves them with far less margin for error than they could have foreseen in the recent future. And there's a lot of problems that don't seem to have a lot of quick fixes, and I think that's the main concern for them. It's not that they are don't have the personnel to do it necessarily, but... I guess that's kind of the problem. It's that you don't see much change in their personnel. And when their offense isn't getting it done the way it has in years past, and you have all your assets there, all your contract extensions there, such as, as we know, Travis Kelsey, as we know, Patrick Mahomes, as we know, Tyree Kill are all those guys who they spent big money on and they're not performing the way they should be, or maybe they have in years past. Again, it's just seriously concerning and there is, again, not a lot of room for error for this team. And first and their largest problem is honestly Mahomes. Uh, he is not looking like himself right now. He is kind of doing what Carson Wentz was doing last year on the Eagles. He's trying to do too much. It's something I really keep noticing on film. On top of him possibly not being 100% and not saying anything about it, I think he's just trying to do way too much. He needs to know when a play is over. He needs to stop scrambling around like his chicken got, got his head cut off and he's taking far too many hits. It's not sustainable. He also has a tendency where we see this magic with Mahomes where he can just keep 
keep dropping back in the pocket and dropping back in the pocket, you know, 10, 15 yards or whatever. And he's got a strong enough arm that it just doesn't matter. Whereas this year, his O-line is not playing well enough. And the thing is, it's not even that they're not playing well either. It's that he's adding to the problem and the fact that it's pretty obvious he doesn't trust this new unit. He doesn't have the same chemistry he has with this unit as he has in years past because obviously this is an entirely new offensive line that got revamped this past offseason and it's very clear he's still not on the same page with a lot of these guys so he's just essentially digging himself a deeper and deeper hole and I think that there's a lot of things that Andy Reid and this O-line has to look at and do within themselves to help Patrick Mahomes out I think they need a lot more small passing game a lot more screen game Um, I'm not saying that you have to manage Mahomes because as we know Mahomes is one of if not the most talented quarterback in the NFL but I'm just saying you need to build his confidence right now both in himself and in this offensive line and I think the way you do that is by establishing the run establishing quick passes and honestly just not asking him to do as much as he's doing right now even if the coaching staff isn't necessarily asking him to do everything that he's doing he needs to take it upon himself to just take it down a few notches stop trying to be the hero in every play and just play his game keep his head about him because right now as we know he is not looking like himself uh he is leading the league in turnovers which is just something we've never seen him do he always seems to be very smart with the football um i'm forgetting the off the top of my head how many turnovers he has exactly i believe it's nine and last year he had i I believe it's nine interceptions excuse me i believe he has nine interceptions last year all the entire year all 15 games that he played and started he only had six So again, there's just a lot that they need to correct right now. I'm not saying that they can't do it, but it's looking more and more unlikely, particularly in their own division, that they're going to win that thing. Um, Again, don't count them out because that's when they can be extremely dangerous. I think they, part of them really wants to be counted out and wants to be slept on and overlooked. But in the same token, a lot of NFL teams are still going to give them the respect they deserve because they have proven time and time again that they are elite, elite, elite cream of the crop AFC team. And obviously, even if they're not this year, recency bias is still very much a thing. And these coaches and these teams are still going to respect the hell out of them. They're still going to play against them like they have a target on their back. And I think that if the Chiefs can get their target off their back, if teams don't respect them as much as they should, I think that'll really play into their hands well. So again, it's a very long season. Uh, It's very hard to say that their season is over with still all the football remaining left. I've, um, what week are we on? I just forgot how many games are a math, Jack. There's 10 games left for them to play. So again, there's plenty of and plenty of improvement that can come out of this. There's plenty of football left to be played. And I'm not saying that you should count them out. But again, they should definitely be panicking there in Kansas City just with everything going on around them. Moving on to the next game that I, I could not be more excited about. I felt like I had very good insight on this game. Again, not trying to just pat my back or sound cocky, but it played out in a very similar way to how I said it might, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And in the same token, it didn't, I wasn't expecting it to be this large of a ass whooping, I guess. I just, I thought the Ravens were going to keep it closer with the Bengals. And man, the Bengals can just 
fucking it's big play after big play after big play jamar chase is proving why he was worth that pick and he's making me and a lot of other people look silly to criticize that pick and yeah again i wasn't expecting a blowout but the way this game played out it was just fairly similarly to how i thought it might go just on a much larger scale the Bengals have silenced a lot of critics about jamar chase of course as i've said already um and their their big play potential is just a huge part of what they have going for them of course jamar chase is at the very heart of those big plays and cj ozama is doing his thing on those big plays he really is worth giving a shout out he made a really good defensive back and marlon humphrey look silly on his long touchdown catch and run and the Bengals are just seriously one of the most fun teams to watch in the nfl uh, i love what they're doing uh, their defense is playing really, really good football. They contained Lamar Jackson very, very well. Sam Hubbard, Trey Hendrickson, they really showed up big for them. Sure, you're going to have a couple plays where Lamar gets out of the pressure. He scrambles and he gets a, a good pickup. That's just going to happen against elite guys like that, like Kyler, like Lamar. Um, that's basically the only two in the league that are on that type of level. And yeah, sure, that's going to happen. But the fact is, other than a couple of those big scrambles, they contained him very, very well. They got a few sacks on him. It was just a very good game plan from the Bengals. And as I've said before, this is just a very well-rounded young team that I think has a very, very bright future. And I think a lot of that credit has to be given to their front office. Of course, they've made moves that not everyone, including myself, has agreed with. I didn't love the Trey Hendricks signing. I didn't love the Jamar Chase, Jamar Chase draft pick. But they're just proving us all wrong. They're also, I wasn't huge on Zach Taylor. And I know a lot of people were saying that he was on the hot seat last year or before this year started. And the team came out and they said, no, listen, Zach is our guy. And that confidence in the front office is clearly paying off. And man, they're just, I'm excited about this team. I think it's awesome. Cincinnati deserves this. Um, they have a very loyal fan base it's an awesome city they love those Bengals, and it's just really cool to see a team that practically my entire life paying attention to football sure they had their playoff appearances with andy dalton but they really didn't mean anything and now it really feels like there's something special here and they could actually you know be talked about deep into january they could actually host a playoff game they could actually win a playoff game so again it's just so much excitement here i'm seriously thrilled for this team and it's going to be very interesting coming down to the end of the year i mean i marked down here the Bengals they close their season excuse me i kind of stuttered there a little bit they close their season with the ravens the chiefs and the browns so man if they can get three wins there look out like that is just a crazy way to to, to close out your schedule um if the Chiefs keep playing the way they're playing, they could be in serious trouble in this game. And man, the Bengals have to be looking forward to the rest of their schedule. And sure, there's a lot of hard games ahead of them. Like I just said, those three teams are probably going to be healthier, probably going to be even better by the time they, they play each other there. But man, it's just going to be exciting football. And credit to the schedule makers for making it out that way. I don't think anyone was believing that the Bengals would really have a shot to take on the Chiefs and beat them in week 17 when they play but 
Right now, if you had to ask me which one I would take at this current moment, if they played next week, I'd probably take the Bengals. So it's just a wild, wild, wild time there in Cincinnati and good for them. Very, very happy for them. And I guess I have to say something about the Ravens here. They'll be fine. They'll, don't panic. They'll, like We know the Ravens and the Ravens. We know they've had some huge wins and they'll be just fine. This this race in the AFC North is going to come to the very, very last couple weeks, as I've mentioned, and just don't take too much away from this. The Ravens didn't play their best game. They probably played their worst game they had all year. So again, just don't worry too much about this one. Another game I need to talk about, and uh, this is a colossal collapse that we witnessed this weekend, and we've kind of been witnessing unraveling for the last four weeks. I'm talking about the Panthers playing the Giants man if you've been keeping up with this pod you probably already know I don't believe in Sam Darnold very much and I've also suggested this coaching staff doesn't have much faith in them either just by their play calling uh, just by the way they seem to manage him and well that's never been more true honestly he got benched this weekend uh he looked really really bad before he got benched uh he threw another terrible interception which he continues to do week after week and now just like that the watson trade rumors are resurfacing in carolina and of course as most of us know it's entirely up to watson where he ends up because he does have that no trade clause on his contract and he has to approve and sign off of anywhere where he goes but just the fact that they're resurfacing here just the fact that they're even being mentioned is very telling to how this front office how this coaching staff feels about sam and it's obviously time to say he is not the answer in carolina it's only been seven weeks and it's pretty clear and honestly i do feel bad for him i don't feel good about being right about this because i would have loved to be wrong i would have loved to see sam darnold you know bloom into this quarterback that we all thought he could be coming out of usc but and the same in the same sense i guess i'm glad i'm right about it and i don't want to sound like an asshole by saying that because i don't wish uh what's the word i don't wish um I'm forgetting the word. I don't wish, you know, bad fortune upon anybody. I hope that each and every player that comes into this league can find success. But then again, that doesn't mean that I have to, what's the, I, I don't have to root for every single guy, if that makes sense. Like, sure, I was rooting for Sam Darnold and I was hoping that I was wrong and that he'd blossom into a great prospect. But it's also, I think all right to have your own opinion and my opinion honestly from the usc days was that this guy wasn't going to be a franchise quarterback so again i'm not trying to sound like a hater i'm not trying to be rude i would never wish uh failure upon anybody but i guess i just kind of foresaw that failure and now it's happening and a lot of other people did too i'm not just saying i'm some genius that saw it coming whatever um in the same respect, I guess the Giants are a little bit better than people are getting credit for. I've been saying that for a couple weeks now. Um, but, I mean, come on. <laughs> they were missing... you. The Panthers pride themselves on their defense right now. And they let them... They let the Giants drop 25 points on them with their all their top weapons out, including Kenny Galladay, Saquon Barkley, Kadarius Toney, Sterling Shepard. I mean, seriously, you got three, uh, their three top receivers and 
their running back, who's one of the best running backs in the NFL, were all out and they just got slaughtered. It wasn't even close. Yeah, we I complain about the Bears having a shit ton of problems on offense and they had five turnovers this weekend and I'm not, fuck, I can't make this into the Bears because I'm just literally could talk about that all day and how frustrated I am with that and how much I hate Matt Nagy's play calling and how vanilla it is and how he's ruining Justin Fields' development because he is and... I've got a million problems with the Bears, but honestly, I'm so frustrated and over it that I just kind of don't want to talk about that. Um, my point is, the Bears had five turnovers this weekend, and they had three points. Carolina had two, and they only had three points. How can you play a Giants team that's just not very good at all, and you came out of this came out of the start of the season red hot, surprising everybody, and then you only drop three points? It's just Man, 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 man. I uh, I don't know what to say other than it was smoke and mirrors. And if you bought in, I'm sorry. Because I wasn't really believing in it when I saw it. Um, sure, I got a little excited for a little bit. And I again, I don't want to wish downfall on any team or player or coach or whatever. But I think there was a lot you could see here of why it was all smoke and mirrors. With all that being said, I'm going to wrap up this segment. Um, I'm going to, or excuse me, I'm going to wrap up this game, not this whole segment. We're going to move on to the next game. Um, this is on the contrary of the Panthers and their stock just absolutely tanking. We're going to shift gears to a much more positive note and look at a team whose stock should be on the rise considerably after this weekend, and that is the Colts. Uh, this is, they played the Niners this weekend, as a lot of you guys know. I was very high on the Colts. Come before this weekend, I thought that they were going to win over the Niners. I thought it was going to be a lot closer than this, but regardless, I'm happy with the result because it makes me look smart and who doesn't like to look smart? Uh, I think the Colts are way better than their record suggests, and I think they have a serious chance to put the league on notice this weekend against Tennessee. Of course, I'll preview that game in my next pod that's going to come out on Thursday, so stay tuned for that. Um, but as mentioned, I made this one of my best bets, and I just think, I mean, I've been saying this basically all year. I think the Niners are crazy overrated. I think the league and the league media really wants them to be good, and I think we're still kind of in a, what's the word I'm looking for? We're kind of infatuated with that 2018 team or 2019 team when they made the Super Bowl, and they had this loaded roster, and this is just not the same team, and injuries or not whatever it might be you can blame it on whatever you want regardless it's not the same team end of story and i think the colts are one of those teams that's kind of on the opposite end of that spectrum of the niners i think that they're a lot better than people give them credit for um i think i mean think about it this way if it's not for that lamar jackson historic and heroic performance the colts have a winning record right now and they have a chance of taking first place in their division this very weekend against the Tennessee Titans, who they know very well. And honestly, they match up with pretty well as well. So again, it's just don't count them out quite yet. I know that it's not easy to turn it around once you have this many losses this early in a season. But if any team's going to do it, I believe it's well, other than the Chiefs. I believe it's this one just with this great coaching staff uh, with all the things they have going on their offensive line their defense is playing great football and again i'm just very very high on the colts i think they should make a trade for one more lockdown corner but 
We'll get to that in Thursday's episode where I'll go over my potential trades and trades that I think teams should make before the deadline. Um, regardless, the Colts are a lot better than people are giving them credit for. The Niners are a lot worse than people give them credit for. and Or I guess not give them credit for. You know what I mean. So, look out for them Colts. That's all I'll say. Just don't count them out. Moving on to another thing I took away from this last week's game is poor Tua Tagovailoa. If you guys listened to the last week's pod, I said that he had to show us something. He had to prove that the Deshaun Watson trade rumors should not be happening. He had to show something to his front office to prove that he was the guy to them. And he had one of the best games of his career and it just didn't even matter and i felt so bad for the guy it was his first game with two plus passing touchdowns and his late comeback to take the lead was honestly it was great he he was he looked surgical he was throwing the ball well sure he had two interceptions in this game um but long story short he had the lead with very little time left to go and then sure enough Matt Ryan storms his own team down the field, and Youngway Koo ended up nailing the game winner. Good for Youngway, by the way. Uh, he's overcome a lot of adversity in his career. Obviously, if you guys ever watched him at the Chargers, you know what I'm talking about. Sorry, Cole. Um, it's just, man, I feel so bad for him. Because, seriously, it, that would have been a signature win if he could have pulled that one off. I seriously, I don't know if it would have changed the whole Watson deal and if the front office seriously would have considered not going for him anymore but let's be honest it would have helped its case tremendously in the very least so it's just man the trade deadline is coming up very soon here it's the Tuesday after next week so he's got one more shot to prove himself and that is against the Bills so fuck fuck to a Make it count, man. If I mean, maybe you just seriously put your... If, if you guys somehow pull out the W against the Bills, maybe just maybe your front office will think twice about trading you, but man, I would not have high hopes. Or Honestly, they're probably not even planning on trading him in particular. They're just planning on trading for his eventual replacement, Deshaun Watson. So again, you got one more shot at this to uh, best of luck, my friend. I know you're not listening to this, but I can act like you are. Moving on to the fantasy football side of things, which again, I have not talked about enough the past few weeks and I plan on getting into more of because I've just been lacking with it and I'm sorry about that guys. I don't, I really, I truly don't know why I haven't been talking about it as much as I have. I just honestly got away from it because I was so focused on the game aspects of it and the standings and getting really pumped on teams like the Bengals and etc. Whatever, it doesn't matter. The point is, here here goes fantasy football here goes sell or excuse me buy low candidates my first buy low candidate of this week is going to be calvin ridley i swear every time i've talked about this segment or every time i've talked about fantasy football this guy's name has been mentioned and it's for good reason i mean his passing volume is very much still there in the past three games, he's gotten 11, 13, and 10 targets, all double digits. So this is clearly still the number one option in the passing game. And I know what you guys might be arguing. Well, Jack, you know, Kyle Pitts is starting to steal all these touches. Kyle Pitts is looking better and better. What if Kyle Pitts' role increases in this offense? And honestly, 
bring it. Like that may sound oxymoronic, but I actually think Pitt's success really helps Ridley and takes some of the defensive attention off of Ridley. I think that defenses are going to start have to ignore. Whoa, that was not English. Defenses are going to have to start acknowledging Kyle Pitts and his unicorn self of that fucking just. He is a freak of nature, and he can do everything that the Falcons want them to do. I think the more double teams are going to start coming his way, and I really think that's going to help Calvin Ridley out a lot. I also think the chances of him having these high targets are going to continue, and I think that with these high targets, you're... I mean, it's just math, right? These high targets are going to bring high receptions, and right now, he's not averaging a lot of receptions per game, but that's just... I don't think that's sustainable. He's having low receptions per game, low yards per game, low touchdowns per game. And this is a trend that is just not sustainable, especially with the volume he's seen. Because again, that's what we're really paying attention to here. We really like to pay attention to targets and not just receptions. Just what type of volume is he getting? And that blow up game is just coming closer and closer and closer if he's going to keep seeing targets like this he's eventually going to have one of those games where he just goes off for you know 100 and a couple touchdowns or 120 and a touchdown and 10 catches whatever it may be so take advantage of that before it comes here their owner might be panicking because they took him very early on in the draft and he hasn't really panned out so again take advantage of that and jump on that opportunity to snag him while you still can because he will have this blow up game sooner or later i'm just gonna say it now so grab him while you can another guy who hasn't really blown up yet and honestly isn't really seeing the volume that we're used to him seeing is stefan diggs um this is not exactly the scenario that's going on with calvin ridley just because as i've said he's not necessarily receiving as crazy a volume but i think that this kind of has to do with game script and game plans i think that's stefan as the season goes on he's just going to ramp up his production and yeah no by no means has he been bad i just think he's going to be so much better than he is right now and i think that his volume is really going to increase this is more of a gut feeling thing there's not too much evidence here it's just again it's pretty situational if you have an owner who has him and he's panicking a little bit you can snag him for the cheap and i think again Sooner or later, he's going to have one of his big blow-up 10 catches, 120 receiving yard touchdown game, and you want to get there before he does. So look out for him. Two more guys that I want to group together because they're kind of in similar situations. Um, they're Although one of them is injured and one of them isn't, there is something that is significantly hindering their productivity, One of, um, and that is David Montgomery and Tyler Lockett. This is because I also am grouping them together because I don't necessarily want to trade for these guys tomorrow or even next week, but it's just because they won't give immediate success. They just won't. We don't know when Russell Wilson's coming back yet. We don't necessarily know when David Montgomery's coming back yet, but if I were to assume it would be after his week 10 bye. Um, but in the same sense as Calvin Ridley, these guys' values are at an all-time low right now, and they're only going to be increasing once you know David comes back from injury and Tyler has Russell come back from injury. Um, starting with Tyler Lockett, we already know he makes his money from the deep ball, and Wilson is the master at the deep ball. Wilson has a very strong chemistry with Lockett and his deep ball. So Wilson will be back soon. Again, just keep an eye out for that. And I think there's a great argument you can make for the owner of Tyler Lockett. Well, we don't know Russell Wilson when Russell Wilson's coming back. Uh, we don't know 
how well they're going to be connecting as soon as Russell gets back because it might take him a couple weeks to get into the groove of things, but this is all bullshit. Just, this is just your selling point is what I'm trying to say. Um, I think right when Russell gets back, we've already seen that strong chemistry and I think it's going to pick up right where it left off. Now, moving on to Montgomery, we know he's injured, obviously, and he might not come back until the bye, as I've mentioned, but this Bears game is, honestly, it's very elite right now. They've, even if the rest of the offense is looking like hot garbage, if you can run for 100 plus yards against this Buccaneers team who fucking never gives up any rushing yards to no matter who it is, I believe they only had one 100 yard rusher all of last year, and I think that was Dalvin Cook. Let me know if I'm wrong about that. That's off the top of my head. Um, but, I mean, even with our third string guy, who's honestly our second string guy now, Khalil Herbert, uh, we were torching him in the run game. And it's great to see that because I think Montgomery's more talented than Herbert, as we know. And he should come back and continue to tear it up like he was before his injury. So, again, you can't really get him at a lower value than he can right now. Um, it's not ideal to trade for someone who's on IR, but again, this is not someone you're going to want to be trading for tomorrow. It's more of a long-term bet, and maybe you're going to want to trade him after the next week or the week after that. Either way, it's someone to keep your eye on and definitely someone to just keep, yeah, just keep an eye on. Just If you see an opportunity and if you see... Trades are very situational, as we all know. If you see a situation where it looks like, you know, the owner doesn't need David Montgomery because he's already got a bunch of running backs, or David Montgomery, or he's not very high on David Montgomery for whatever reason, just capitalize on that and snatch him up while you can. Finally, and this is if you've missed out on Jamar Chase in the draft, we got T. Higgins. T. Higgins is someone who's in a very similar boat to Calvin Ridley, just because they're receiving tons of targets coming their way. Their volume is most definitely there. They just haven't been particularly efficient with the volume they're receiving. So again, it's one of those scenarios where I think that it's not sustainable the way it's coming. I don't think that these trends continue that we've been seeing. I think that he's going to be only more efficient with the volume he's receiving especially as he's getting more and more healthy coming off that injury so again it's just someone that their stock is only going to be rising from here on out because it is so low right now and it's not that necessarily he's an absolute bust if you did draft him and again if you're hearing this and you're an owner of him you can most definitely stay patient and i think the best days are ahead of him um, we've also seen splash plays from guys like CJ Ozama, which I think that T Higgins is more than capable of achieving those splash plays himself. We've seen him do it last year. And so again, I think those splash plays are only going to be coming his way more and more. And I think we just have to stay patient with this guy. If you own him, if you don't own him, go trade for him now, because again, his stock is only going to be going up from now. Now, moving on to the final segment of this week's podcast, or of today's podcast, almost forgot I have two episodes a week now, we have our sell high candidates. The very first guy on our sell high list is going to be Mike Evans. Mike Evans is coming off the best game of his, whoa, yeah, the best game of this year so far. Yeah, I said that right. I don't know why I thought I didn't. Um, obviously, AB was out in this game, and I don't think that it was a coincidence that Antonio Brown was out and Mike Evans had his best week. I think that he might not be more valuable at any point and he might not be more valuable at any point in the year than he is right now. <laughs> Sorry about that. 
And I think, again, I've said this a hundred times about this Bucks offense. There are just so many weapons everywhere that they're just going to feed off each other's production. Um, they're going to take away from each other's production. And it's just very unreliable. Um, there's weeks where Mike Evans is only going to have five targets. There's weeks where Chris Godwin's only going to have five targets. There's weeks where OJ Howard or Cameron Bray are going to out-target both of them. So it's just a lot of uncertainty right now and even though we know for certain that this bucks offense is going to be one of the best in the league and a lot of these guys are gonna produce good numbers from it i don't think it necessarily translates to fantasy football just because we know how important touchdowns are and they're going to be stealing touchdowns from each other very consistently i still think antonio brown is the one to have from this offense particularly where you were drafting him compared to chris godwin and mike evans moving on to our second sell high candidate we have someone who i mentioned earlier we got cj ozama one of the best names in the nfl he is receiving very very little targets and sure you can argue that he might see more but even if he does see more, he has just been hyper-efficient with the targets he has seen. I mean, last week he had three targets for three catches for 91 yards and two touchdowns. That is not sustainable. Week six, he had, again, three targets for three catches, only 15 yards, and then he scored a touchdown to save his fantasy week. And then, of course, week four, the week where he blew up against Jacksonville, he saw six targets for five catches, 95 yards, and two more touchdowns. Again, this is simply not sustainable with this very small volume of targets he's receiving. And again, even, even if he does see more targets, I just don't see this production keeping up. I mean, seriously, in that last week, he was averaging, what, over 30 yards a catch and he had two touchdowns. That's just, that's fluky is what I'm saying. There's no, that, that is not something that is sustainable over the long course of a season. And again, you might not be able to, or excuse me. Someone in your league might not notice that and they might be reaching for a guy like him. So if you do have him rostered, be sure to put him on the trading block and see what you can get for him because, again, this production is not sustainable. Finally, and this one has a ton of risk and I'm not necessarily recommending it. It's just in very situational circumstances, I could see why someone would do it, particularly with how late in the draft this guy was going, and particularly if you have a lot of receiver depth and you just don't really need him, per se. Not that you know you can't use him, but you don't necessarily need him, and maybe you don't have a solidified running back one, and you just you need the help where you can get it. It's Jamar Chase, and I know what you guys are saying. Jack, what the fuck? That's stupid as hell. He just had 200 yards and a touchdown, and to that, yeah, yeah, no, I hear you there. It's just, I don't think, he's on pace for 1,800 yards. He is not going to get 1,800 yards. There is just no way, and in the same aspect, there is so much hype behind this guy that I think you can sell him for an extremely high inflated price, like a running back one, and that's not ridiculous. Because again, this is not, I'm not suggesting this to everyone. If you have Jamar Chase and you need him as your as a wide receiver two or a wide receiver one because you are struggling with wide receiver health or whatever it may be, maybe you just drafted a bunch of busts or maybe you had a few guys get injured, whatever the hell it may be, most of you guys are going to keep Jamar on your roster. 
But again, for those of you who are in a situation where you don't have a solidified RB1, maybe you can trade him one for one for Najee Harris or something like that. I think you should go ahead and do it. Purely because, again, his efficiency is not sustainable. I just don't see him putting up the numbers he is putting up right now continuously. I think that T. Higgins is going to get more involved in this offense. You could argue argue C.J. Uzama is going to get more involved in this offense. And I think that as Jamar just continues to feast among NFL DBs, that defenses are going to respect him more. They're going to bracket him more with a safety and a cornerback. And again, you just can't expect this in these insane stats to keep going the way they're going because that's exactly what they are they're historic and i'm not saying he's not going to finish as you know probably the best rookie wide receiver we've ever seen if not one of the best it's just the pace that he's on is seriously like it's it's absurd like he would lead the league in receiving yards just about and it's just point is he can't keep it up and in situational circumstances, you may want to, you mate, <laughs> you might want to consider trading him. So that's all I got for you guys. I really hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Be sure to stay tuned on Thursday for part two of this episode, going over my preview for week eight, giving you guys all my best bets. And of course, that exclusive topic of trade deadline and who I think should be trading for what and who I think should be trading away what. So with all that being said, again, I really hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And if you do, the best way you can show me that you enjoyed this episode is sharing it with your friends and family and getting them to listen to it too. Because again, that's what this is all about. Just spreading this podcast and making sure I get as many listeners and as much exposure as I can. So thank you so much and have a great day, guys. That's going to be all from me. Peace out.